Welcome to Let's Talk Land, a weekly land education talk show devoted to learning about land and farms, buying and selling, and ownership, especially for real estate agents and realtors. Hey, learn from the experts. This is free land education, guys. Hi, my name's Lou Jewell. I'm an accredited land consultant with the United Country Real Estate, Sutton Properties, along with our co-host, Teresa Martin, who's one of our agents. Hey, Teresa, good morning. I'm doing fine. You're calling in, aren't you? I am. Well, we miss you here at the studio, but uh, uh, you sounded good. It's buying, much more fun there. <laughs> buying or selling homes, land or farms in western Piedmont, North Carolina, or southern Virginia, give us a shout. Hey, we'll help you out. Our office is at 102 East Main Street, next to BB&T Bank in downtown Pilot Mountain, North Carolina. Our company website is www.all. Sutton Properties, that's A-L-L-S-U-T-T-O-N, Properties, plural, dot com. All of our shows are dedicated to Realtors Land Institute staff and members, and our national website is www.rlliland.com. We'd like to thank our sponsor, landhub.com, buying or selling land. Landhub is the place to be. Hey, Teresa, our guest today is Alan Wood. Welcome, Alan. Thank you. It's good to be there. Where are you calling from? I am in my office in Morganton, North Carolina. Beautiful Morganton. We're going to talk about that. It's one of my favorite counties in North Carolina. I've always enjoyed it. That's the home of Senator Sam, for those that are uh, <laughs> a little dated. He was, uh, when we had the Watergate hearings, he was the number one honcho, wasn't he? Quite a character. Uh, he, le he left a lot of uh, treadmarks on this part of the country and, and on the state and on the federal government. Yes, sir, he did. And I think I still have his T-shirt. <laughs> they made one back then <laughs> with his picture. Uh, I used to wear it when I worked out in track. But, um, Alan, is, you're the president and CEO of Burke Development, Inc. in Morganton, North Carolina. Tell us about that company and how that's set up. Uh, Burke Development, Inc. is a... 501c3 nonprofit. We receive our funding from our county, municipalities, and private funding uh, from local business and industry. Uh, our funding base is about 60% uh, uh, public and 40% private. Well, let's say 55% public, 40% private, 5% grant funding because we do apply for and receive some grant funds. Uh, on a year-to-year -year basis. Okay. Uh, we were formed uh, about 12 years ago uh, as a 501c3, and it is our job to uh, help with the economic development for all of our counties and municipalities. Uh, so our mission statement is to grow the economy and expand the wealth for our citizens, which is a pretty tall task. I'd say it is, and that's our topic today. And we're going to talk about economic development. It's interesting you made a comment in one of our conversations recently that, I mean, uh, this is an hour show. Uh, we might, might need to expand it to about 10 hours and probably still won't cover it. It's, it's quite a diverse subject. But I'm hoping maybe, Alan, we can narrow it today a little bit on how economic development and land, because this is a land show, uh, how that kind of relates to each other and, and the elements. And also maybe a little bit about the history of how uh, – economic development that concept came about and um, and then uh, we definitely want to talk about your beautiful county uh, Burke County uh, so uh, 
that's that's what we got ahead of us. So you're a graduate of uh, Chapel Hill, is that correct? That is correct. BS in administration also, with also have uh, my certified economic development uh, uh, credentials through the International Economic Development uh, Commission. There are only about uh, 1,200 of us uh, CECDs in the world. Wow! So it is a, is a fairly uh, fairly tight group, and uh, it requires uh, all these courses that you saw that I took were required courses, and then you have to sit for and pass an exam. And uh, the first time, generally, the pass rate is about eighteen to twenty percent. Wow! So it, it's uh, I'm very it's something that I'm uh, take up. Uh, take pride in being able to uh, add to my uh, credentials Absolutely. as I move around. Well, good for you. It's almost like my uh, uh, accredited designation, accredited land consultant, of uh, the uh, 1,400 members nationwide, there are about 500 of us that carry that designation. So I, I strongly relate to that. And it is a tight-knit group. Uh, if you're out there anywhere in the country uh, wanting to buy or sell land, make sure you go to the website. Uh, and uh, find a uh, ALC or at least one of our members uh, because there's no structured land education in our real estate courses at the collegiate level, university level, and at the real estate uh, level when we get our license, uh, i.e. we have this show to uh, help out and augment some of the gaps that we have out there in our industry. So um, some of these courses you took are really interesting. Of course, you, you know, I, I have a BS degree in economics, so I understand the Introduction to Economic Development, which was a great course. Uh, of course, I took mine back in the 60s um, and uh, early 70s. And then there was a business uh, credit analysis and real estate development, reuse. What, what was that about? Because that's kind of right on where we are. Uh, that one really is uh, looking at and trying to, I mean, it's pretty involved in, I mean, we could take the entire hour just talking about development and reuse okay. in communities because you, you only have certain lands that are developable for certain type of uh, business and industry. And uh, without infrastructure, without road access, without the proper topography, uh, you can't just go out and say, well, man, there's millions of acres of land in North Carolina and there's hundreds of thousands of acres of land in, in Stokes County or Burke County. But you look at that and you take it down and probably less than 5% of it is really developable for, for the type of uh, business that we, that we're trying to attract yeah. or help try to grow. Sure. And then the reuse is looking at locations that may have been in, uh, some type of business previously, and, uh, and and you know what what are their current situations? Are there requirements? Are, is there some type of contamination that uh, is there that would need to be handled through, uh, say, a brownfield agreement uh, of some type to be able to bring a new uh, a new business in? Is it adaptable to some other business? Uh, and, you know, it's, it's really interesting in a lot of your older buildings, you look at it and say, well, that was an industrial site uh, and maybe for 40 years, but it may not be a building that's adaptable 
for any kind of, of business use of in modern state. I mean, the ceiling heights may not be adequate or uh, the roads are not adequate or uh, any other number of items. So you really, uh, when you're looking at economic development, you want to try and make sure that your most developable property is reserved for those uses because once it's gone, uh, without building a lot of very, very expensive infrastructure, uh, you're not going to find other locations that are going to fit. Yeah. And zoning has a lot to do with that, too, which is another whole, that could be a whole show just on zoning and what that's yep, all about. we sure could. <clears throat> so when you moved, uh, and thank you for being part of our Stokes County, our neighbor county here in North Carolina uh, that I love dearly. Uh, thank you for your contributions. Um, your name is mentioned often as I travel around the county even though you left us a number of years ago uh, on the efforts that you made in behalf of uh, Stokes County, and I'm sure you're doing that and, and more for Burke County, and we'll talk about that too later in the show. Uh, but um, I thought that was real interesting, that class, uh, especially the reuse aspect of it. Um, you know, we, we built some townhouses uh, in actually a development here in Pilot Mountain. I think we have like 783 houses in a town of 1,200, so and four stoplights. Uh, but... Uh, uh, there was a little three-acre track that was uh, joined it that was just all wooded, laid good, and we actually bought it and put 14 uh, uh, townhomes on it. And very successful, sold them as fast as we built them. But uh, was looking around town for another site to build some more. We can't find one. There, 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 uh -huh. there just isn't anything suitable. And you know, and that's what you're talking about. We have a demand and something that we can use, but we don't have any place to put it. So that, that can be frustrating, can it? Uh, it is incredibly frustrating, and the more development that you see, the more difficult it gets because the, those easy ones, those easy ones are already done. Yeah. So it becomes you have to become very creative, and you have to form a lot of partnerships, and uh, to to make that next development happen. Yeah. And it's really very uh, the cost of of building out infrastructure, both external to the site and internal once the site is established, those costs have skyrocketed, and it really makes it uh, a challenge, especially in rural communities, uh, to find that funding because you don't have a lot of outside partners who want to come in and play. Right. So, uh, it, it, for rural communities, it is a it is a real challenge. Uh, and, and the fact that in a lot of cases the zoning is inadequate or, or, or non-existent. Uh, and, and so uh, it's sort of a Wild Western area. Yeah, and then you get into, uh, you know, workforce. Uh, you know, do you have enough adequate um, uh, workers in that particular uh, vocation? Uh, and that's part of your job, too. I know you were working with us. We had the elastic plant building. Uh, and 205 acres, and that's why they involved me, because they had 205 acres. Not, I don't do commercial, but that was part of the deal. And thank you so much for, you know, we had one opportunity, uh, and part of that was uh, training. And, you know, you, you had the connections with Forsyth Tech, uh, which is an incredible school, of course, uh, Surrey Community College. And, and, and what we're talking about here is local issues, but we, we can take this, this uh, conversation throughout the nation because it's the same thing, right, Alan? It's pretty much uh, the same thing all around the country, uh, these issues that we're talking about. But, it, uh, it, it absolutely is, and the workforce challenge, it used, 
I've been doing this now uh, starting year uh, 18 or 19. Uh, when you get as old as I am, it's sort of hard to remember. But anyhow, uh, when I started, workforce would be in the discussion. But it uh, over the last five years, it now is the number one or number two issue that pops up every time you have a discussion with the company. And uh, and it and it's not just do you have the people, but do you have the people who are trained to do the jobs that are needed, and if not, do you have the capabilities uh, once the folks are identified to train those, train them uh, in uh, in the uh, skills that are needed, and uh, and I will say that. And this is a, a very true statement. Every manufacturing company in, in, that we deal with today uh, is advanced manufacturing. So there is no such thing that exists as just plain manufacturing. They are all advanced. Well, that's interesting. Some component of them. Robotics uh, or computer, requires, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah robotics. Uh, computer skills. Modeling, uh, projections for future sales. I mean, they're all advanced, and so just thinking that you can walk in off the street and go to work with a manufacturing company without a set of skills is is not accurate today. Yeah, so that's a lesson for those out there in the listening audience. Uh, if you're uh, one of those younger generations that's just starting, or if you're parents and you got uh, children, you need to encourage them. You know, to, to uh, if they don't want to go to college, that's fine. But you know, there are so many I've watched over the years. For example, Surrey Community College and Forsyth Tech, that's our two closest ones, um, how they've advanced uh, in their programs. I, I was going through uh, uh, Surrey Community College looking for uh, one of the professors to invite on the talk show, and I could not believe the menu of, uh, of uh, available courses and the, and the variety of subject. Uh, it, it's mind-boggling. I mean, uh, it's, uh, so it is out there. Uh, but whether it's adequate or not, that's the next question, right? Well, I'll, I'll throw I'll throw something for out to you. Uh, I was talking with the president of our community college here, and in the previous president, the at one time, and and I don't know where it is since the pandemic, but at one time, the largest growing segment of their uh, census, their student census were people who had four-year degrees and were coming back and taking courses to acquire skills so that they could actually find a job. Yeah. Alan, we're going to break right here. This is Let's Talk Land. Our guest today is Alan Wood, CEO and President of uh, Burke Development in Morgan, North Carolina. Our sponsor is LandHub.com. View thousands of properties for sale at LandHub.com. Uh, I've been selling real estate for a couple of years. The only thing I've run into with economic development is zoning issues. But I'm sure that there's tons of things. Like, how is it different from a big area like Charlotte versus a smaller area like Mount Airy or a rural area? How is economic, rural economics different from area to area? 
Well, and and I'd say that I, you know, as I say, I've been doing this for 18 years, and I find out every day that I don't know much about it either, because I, I run into something that I have to go ask questions on. Uh, every every community uh, will that does economic development uh, is you know faces a different challenge, and you know it's. Uh, is it population-wise? Is, is it the type of businesses that they want to try and attract? Uh, are they facing severe workforce challenges? Are they facing a declining population? Are there housing challenges? Uh, and then, you know, what do they have to offer to companies that uh, that are uh, that are going to look at them? Uh, I, I'll give a case in point and. We only have a limited time, but I, I could write a book on uh, the uh, project that we landed when I was in Caldwell County, which is a little company that people might know called Google. Uh, we were able to recruit and land a data center, which is uh, a huge power user and needs large quantities of fresh water. Uh, and uh, it was a project that took 18 months uh, to deliver, and you, know, you have to figure out what are the drivers. Every project that you're talking to, every time that you're looking at something, each project has a particular driver behind it. It's the reason that you are in play. It's the reason that uh, they're talking to you and that your community has been uh, singled out to move forward. And I'll, I'll digress just for a second. Economic development is not about winning projects. Economic development is about staying in the game and not being eliminated as companies are looking for a location. Because there's no such thing as a perfect location. You just want to be a little less imperfect than whoever you're competing against. Very competitive, uh, too, isn't it, Alan? Uh, it's, it is very competitive. Uh, it's do you have do you have the right site? Do you have sufficient infrastructure? Do you have a building? Do you have road access? Uh, do you have the population that is educated in the manner, uh, or can you deliver the workers that they're looking for? Uh, Google's drivers were uh, a lot of electricity and a lot of power. I'm sorry, a lot of water. Uh, and and a location with good access. That's that's what was driving them. And it just so happened that we had the perfect location uh, that, right next to a, a power substation that could deliver more power than they could utilize in the time frame of their build-out. And that's why, in essence, that's why that project uh, landed there. Uh, there are other projects that we've, we've had that uh, it just so happens that uh, the building that we had could be adapted perfectly for their reuse. Uh, it, there are other companies that uh, I'll say specifically in Burke County, uh, there was one that uh, we were able to lure away from another location because we have a, a strong uh, metalworking background here. We've got a lot of companies that do uh, uh, fabrication work uh, for, tool, for tool and die uh, instruments. And, and that's something that uh, they were very interested in, and it, and it made this location 
ideal for them. So, you know, economic development is about finding a way to not being eliminated for projects. So each community, uh, when I came into uh, Stokes County, uh, we brought a group of people. Uh, they were probably 40, between 45 and 50, actually, when you could get 45 or 50 people together. And we did what's called a, uh, uh, a SWOT analysis. Are you all familiar with that term? No, not at all. All right. SWOT analysis, uh, you look at strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. Uh, what are the strengths of your communities? What are its weaknesses? Where do you see opportunities? And what are the threats uh, that are out there that could, could, that could keep you from uh, succeeding? And so you, you go through that process. It was, I guess we probably, uh, since there had already been previously a strategic plan done, I didn't think there was any need to do a full-blown six-month strategic plan and spend a lot of money when we had that to go by. So we did the SWOT analysis, which took us about a month uh, with three or four meetings and we boiled it down to some very specific items. You know, knowing Stokes County, uh, you know, it's on the borders of Winston. It's basically it was a bedroom community for them, but it had some it had some developable areas. It had some manufacturing. So, what are the uh, what were the uh, what were the things that we really wanted to focus on? And it came down to basically uh, trying to identify some areas that could be developed or, or, or marketed for development for uh, the recruitment of business and industry. And we actually did get a site under control and uh, marketed and got several uh, site visits over time. But where the, where the strength of it was going to be for that area was around tourism, tourism, tourism development. You've got a great, great state park there. It's one of the most beautiful places in the world, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, and how can you enhance and grow that? We put it together a marketing team that uh, and had several small businesses start up around that. And then we looked for small to medium-sized companies that could support the larger industries maybe in that Winston-Salem, Greensboro area, and got a couple of nice wins there. So each community has to identify and decide who they want to be. It, you know, if, if I come into a community and say, you know, I want to recruit I want to recruit world-class headquarters to this to this community. Well, you know, those are only going to go in certain very very select areas, and you're you're setting yourself up for failure if you don't do your homework on the front side. So Alan, Alan, how that's do you, how that's that's the way you start this process. How do how do you find the people? Do they just come to your county, or or is there a source that you go? Uh, to identify uh, companies that are looking to relocate or expand. But where do you get your leads from? Uh, it, there are a myriad of, of places that 
you develop, it's like you, I, I suspect, when you're uh, developing your clients, you over, it, this is a people business. No matter how uh, far you go with uh, uh, technology, you still have to have relationships. So uh, we have a local, uh, it's called the Economic Development Partnership in North Carolina that has a team that's out recruiting businesses to come to North Carolina all the time. They're generating leads, and they're sharing them with the communities. Uh, we respond to those. Uh, I have a list of brokers that, uh, that I've developed over time. I've met at different events uh, that uh, they know and trust me. So if there's a project they're working and we have a site or a building that fit their requirements, They'll they'll bring it to me, and that's where a lot of that's where a lot of our projects have come from. Uh, that were not expansions. Um, I will say, in just about every community, most of your growth comes from your existing industry. Uh, that and that's also your number one source for looking for new business. Uh, what is it that your existing industry needs? What is it that's in the community that uh, could help them be stronger? And do you have enough uh, uh, force within your community to, to support uh, what they're looking for? But those are, you know, those are the most prevalent areas that you're going to find. You know, there are other things we do. I go to site consulted events. Uh, and once again, those are networking, trying to uh, just make contact with people who carry projects uh, of the kind that, that I am looking for in my community. Uh, we, we do online recently, a lot of online webinars. Uh, I'm on the NCEDA, the State Economic Development Board. Uh, I went on that board because, you know, I thought it was the right thing to do, but sure. also... It, it just raises my awareness of what's going on across the state, and it, you know, it gives me access to people that I probably otherwise wouldn't know. So, it, you know, you, you never know where your next lead is going to come from. And one thing that I've always tried to do is anytime we get a lead, anytime we get an inquiry, we treat that like it is a real project, that it's a viable project, until it's not anymore. Right. How much does so it, it go ahead, reminds me of marketing in a way? Is oh, that we, fair to say? Yeah, we, we do marketing too. We do a lot like, of marketing. Uh, it, it's, we are selling our community. That's that's what we're doing. And and that uh, and in the meantime, when you start to see if, if you identify a deficiency within your community, you try to see what can you do to minimize that deficiency so you've got a better chance of winning the next project. How, how, much, how, much, how much does the real estate industry play into your job? Uh, well, we, uh, we depend on... Uh, there, there are probably several different ways they play into it. 
we we depend on them, especially if we're looking for new sites to develop. Uh, uh, some of the projects I get are driven by uh, leads that real estate uh, real estate agents and brokers bring to me. Uh, I'll tell you that right now, one of the things that we have and it's across the state and across the country is the lack of affordable and available housing. Yeah, that's nationwide. So, uh, we are, we've been working on this uh, for the last four years, trying to focus on this and see how we can alleviate the shortage or at least start to mitigate it because we have to have housing to grow our population because we don't have a growing population we can no longer recruit business and industry. Brilliant. I know that's true because I'm having an awful time. Like right now in Pilot Mountain, we have one house that's in the hundred and fifty thousand dollar range, and everything else is three, four, five, six, seven hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, well, uh, we we have identified that as one of our. If we were doing a, a SWOT analysis, that is a weakness and that is a threat. Uh, for us, and uh, we are uh, we are proactively looking for ways to uh, resolve that. And in in many ways, it's it's way more difficult than to try and resolve that issue or even make uh, progress on that ish- issue than it is to recruit new business and industry. Because there's so many moving parts, Lou. You you know this. With, you know, if you're trying to develop single family, uh, first thing you got to do is uh, get the correct site, uh, get all the infrastructure in place, roads, water, sewer, landscaping, and all that takes a lot of time and a lot of money. And that all happens before you start building the first house. That's true. Hey, our, our guest today is Alan Wood with Burke Development and, uh, and Morganton. Uh, this is Let's Talk Land. Our sponsor today is LandHub. Looking to sell your land? Try LandHub.com. Alan, sometimes when I'm watching the news, I'll hear, like in Greensboro, they'll talk about incentives for companies coming in, tax incentives and, and different types of things like that. Can you go into that a little bit, like what type of incentives are created to increase economic development in, in different areas? Sure. Uh, incentives play, uh, do play a, a role in it. I will say that, that when I start to talk with a company, if the first question they have is about incentives, then probably either they've done a whole lot of homework and they're ready to make a decision, or it's a project that I'm, I might not go forward with. Uh, the first piece of it is, if you want to stay in the game, as I mentioned a while ago, and not be eliminated, uh, you have to uh, be able to say that there are incentives available uh, for this project. Uh, and, and once that is stated, Incentives then become uh, an issue that that uh, don't necessarily come up again uh, for a little while. So once you settle that question that there are incentives, the things then that they look at because let's let's say very clearly here, incentives don't make a good site. 
just there to level the playing field if once you get to your final two or three uh, sites. So I, no matter how many, how bad, because incentives are one time, and once they're there, you've got whatever challenges there were with that site or with that location. And once they go away, you still have those challenges. So if it's a bad site to begin with, incentives are not going to make the difference. So once they've gone through all the process and they look at it and say, this is a good site, I've got the infrastructure in place, the logistics all work, my employment's good, it's a community where we want to live, uh, schools are good, uh, there's adequate housing to meet our needs. You know, once you get all those things, the cost of doing business here is good. Then you get back into the incentives discussion. Uh, and the incentives will take, can and will take several forms. You have uh, some state incentives. Uh, North Carolina has two uh, main pots of money. One of them is the JDIG program, which is a job development investment grant. That's based on how many people you hire and their payroll. That's the largest pot of money we have. It is a self-funding uh, system in that if that company does not locate in North Carolina, it does not cost anything. Uh, so they are granted back a portion of the uh, tax that they create on payroll. Uh, and then there's a portion of that goes into a, another fund uh, that helps uh, grow infrastructure other places, and we could have a whole program on that. Uh, the other main uh, North Carolina incentive is 1NC, uh, one North Carolina fund, and that's usually for the next tier down uh, companies that uh, – and it's usually on a, a per job number, uh, and it can be a thousand to two thousand dollars per job. Those are paid upon performance. If the company doesn't create the jobs, doesn't do the work they say, then those grants are not paid. Those are the main state. Now, in addition to that, one that we use a great deal uh, is called the Building Reuse Fund, and that is for existing buildings that are vacant or existing companies that are doing an expansion and they could use money to create jobs and this money helps uh, to uh, expand their their job base. We use that one a lot. Uh, probably uh, it's been the most useful grant for rural development that uh, that we've had and uh, every community I think I did two while I was in Stokes County of those maybe three uh, it's a real great program for other local from a Alan, local perspective are there incentives for small businesses or only for large businesses well I mean the the, the building reuse is if you're uh, the minimum number there is 10 jobs. So those okay. are used by, by pretty small businesses. Uh, yeah. Most of what we have now, there's there there's some, I don't do, my focus are not 
entrepreneurial startup type businesses. There are other institutions, the small business centers, community college, and uh, and others that are much more capable and set up to handle that type of uh, of business. And I try to work with them, but I'll usually refer those because I, we're just not set up here. Uh, we don't have the manpower uh, to handle that. Uh, and finally, on the incentive question, uh, there are local incentives that are generally based on the number of jobs you see and how much capital investment and new tax base, uh, property tax that they're creating. Uh, and those take the form of a grant back versus that new, and I will stress new, uh, property tax. Without that project, this money would not exist. And so that's used to help uh, uh, reduce a little bit of the burden on property tax. You know, I've, I've had people say, well, you're costing a lot of money. And my response is, okay, this is a $50 million project that's going to generate you know, just for case in point, it's going to generate a million dollars in new tax base a year. Would you rather have right. half of that million dollars or would you rather have nothing? Yeah, good question. And that's what it comes down to. So uh, the question on incentives is, do you want to, do you want to do economic development? And, you know, they're, the, the realists say, if you do, then you have to, at some level, uh, participate in the incentive game. As long as one community does it, it basically means that if you intend to uh, recruit new business and industry, then you are probably going to participate in the incentive process. What about at the local level? Uh, you spent in the state. What about the county and the city? Yeah, that, that's where I was. Uh, that's where I went into the one on the property tax okay. on the new on the new capital investment. Gotcha. That's that's primarily. Uh, I can only think of uh, generally. Uh, there's some that maybe have funds that they will do. Generally, I stay away from any money on the front side. Everything is performance based, and it's based on how much new capital investment are they creating in the uh, community gotcha that makes sense question for you teresa uh, has a uh, actually rodney at the radio station has a um, it was a disco or playhouse uh, for sale here in king north carolina on 52 highway 52 a lot of traffic and it's in an opportunity zone how does that affect uh, economic development? Is that a good program? Uh, opportunity zones are a very interesting uh, item. I've had a lot of discussions about them. Uh, done a, a lot of review on them. They they potentially can be uh, a very valuable. What I have seen here before is uh, is residential kind of development that's going to appreciate and value 
is is where those have the most or the best chance to have impact. But really, where you, know, you get a tax uh, credit or tax break for the investment, but uh, I think the big money is made by any capital gains that you get on that property not being taxable moving forward. So it, it, I think that they are valuable, uh, but I, I think that uh, it's, uh, once again, for the rural communities, it, it's, it's somewhat uh, it, it's somewhat of a challenge. And uh, I haven't done, I've got one that may happen, but that would be the only deal that I've had that so far has occurred in an opportunity zone. How's this virus affecting uh, economic development? What's 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 going on, and what are you seeing out there, and locally and statewide, and maybe an opinion on national? It's been a it's been a very interesting year. Uh, you first, you know, last March and April, basically it shut down everything, and nobody really knows you and. And there's still a lot of questions about what the what what it looks like at, at the end of the day, but uh, some things that we've seen that uh, I've seen are, are a lot of our manufacturing has uh, has recovered uh, more rapidly than maybe we anticipated. What we are what we're looking at trend-wise is that. Uh, a lot of companies have found out uh, that their workers can work from home and they're more productive. And in a lot of cases, that, that may stick after the restrictions are raised. But we've also seen a lot of companies that are going to take a hard look at their uh, supply chain, their logistics, and see if they can't find domestic sources uh, and not be caught uh, with uh, with all their supply chains spread across the world and not having domestic uh, resources. So that could lead, uh, especially certain industries, I think it could lead to uh, reshoring, and I, I think there's some opportunities there. And I also think you're going to see more distribution opportunities because of a lot of the uh, a lot of the just-in-time delivery services, so I think it will definitely lead to some uh, some opportunities. It's you know maybe a little early to see if this is knee-jerk and these are these are just short-term or some real trends develop. But I do see some real opportunities coming uh, over over time. Uh, for communities who can take advantage of it. So this is affecting, uh, right now, uh, the commercial uh, contacts. And actually did a show with Eddie Blanton, who was our past, now national CCIM president out of Charlotte, North Carolina, and a great friend. You know, for example, like the uh, malls, uh, you know, with retail down and everything, moving online, you know, there's going to be a lot of vacant spaces and a lot of empty malls and parking spaces, uh, reuse uh, for example, um, are, are you starting to see any of that coming? Um, I don't focus a whole lot on, on the commercial side, but uh, yeah, I think it's going to be very interesting 
to see what what you're seeing is with online shopping, uh, online ordering, furniture, for instance. A lot of companies have figured out how to do on how to do online e-commerce, and that business is booming. Uh, and so, it's going to be very interesting to see how this plays out with brick-and-mortar stores. And I think most industries are going to try to figure out where they can, how to do e-commerce. It was growing at about 15% a year prior to the pandemic. Uh, I think that'll accelerate, which is going to have some real impact on brick-and-mortar locations. Teresa, what do you think? I like to shop in person. Well, we knew that. <laughs> I like to go in the store and feel it and touch it and walk out the door with it. So, Ellen, let's let's move into something that I want to know more about is your beautiful Burke County. You know, you got some really. It's one of my favorite counties. You got. <clears throat> you're kind of there. You're in the Blue Ridge, but kind of the foothills, like we are. Uh, but you got access to places that people may recognize, Table Rock, <clears throat> of course, Grandfather Mountain, and the home of the Scottish Games, which I still hold the 100-yard dash record from 1971 up there. I ran a 9-7, believe it or not. It's been tied. And Limble Gorge, uh, that's just a spectacular place. And, of course, the Blue Ridge Parkway. And you're right there at Pisgah National Forest, one of the prettiest uh, national forests in the, in the eastern part of the world. And Lake James, and uh, and then uh, uh, Rhodes uh, Lake, and then of course uh, you got the Catawba River coming through there. You've got the, uh, of course, it was the furniture one of the furniture capitals uh, outside of High Point with Drexels and and Valdez, and uh, we still have a little bit of that left. And then you've got the North Carolina School of the Deaf, and what that thing's like a hundred years old, isn't it? Well, we got Broughton Hospital, which was is one of the older. Uh, mental institutions. We just we just recently were announced, and it will open in 2022. Uh, we've got uh, the Western Campus for the North Carolina School of Science and Math. Oh, okay. Uh, which uh, will be uh, which will be opening in uh, fall of 2022. They'll have their first class there. Uh, you you touched on we were furniture and textile king. Uh, and then in the late 90s, uh, up through 2000, 2005, uh, a lot of the furniture left. So we've had to reinvent ourselves. And uh, our tourism industry has grown. It's even in the pandemic, it's, uh, since we have so much outside space, it, it has come back strong. Uh, We've got a trail that goes all the way around Lake James that they're going to finish up in 2025. Wow. 30 miles. Uh, on top of that, we've got... Uh,
2017, uh, roughly 2,000 manufacturing, new manufacturing jobs. Uh, we just had one that was uh, an expansion last night that was a company that had been here for 12 years. They're doubling the size of their facility and uh, doubling their workforce. Uh, so we, we got we got it going on. Morganton downtown is beautiful. All the communities have done a lot of work to enhance themselves. Valdez uh, has some beautiful downtown areas. They've all worked really hard to maintain uh, their integrity. So you know, we've got a lot to sell. Uh, as I mentioned, we, we do have some challenges. Housing is a big challenge. We are proactive. We've had two housing forums in the last three years where each time we've gathered between 150 and 200 people to sit down and see where we are and, and develop a game plan on how we manage this situation. So rather than waiting for somebody to solve it for us, uh, we're looking for partners who are actively going to come in and help us answer those questions. So I, I'm very bullish on Burke County's future, and we have an 83-acre business park that's pad ready. Uh, I can be putting a building up there within 45 days. Uh, all the infrastructure is in place. Um, so, and I can tell you that there aren't very many of those existing anywhere in Western North Carolina. We have a 90-acre rail serve site uh, that's for Western North Carolina. We say, you'll know this one, Jewel, we, uh, we, we call it gently rolling. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So uh, there's nothing flat in Western North Carolina, but this is as close as it gets. So, you know, we've got, we have the product uh, we have a great community college. We've got a top uh, 12 school system in the state. We have great communication between our school system, our uh, community college, our municipalities, and our county work well together. Uh, so I think you know if we can resolve this housing challenge or, or at least make some inroads into it, we have a very, very bright future. Uh, in Burke County. Okay, builders, all you builders out there, uh, zero in on uh, Burke County and, and Allen Wood. The population there, uh, 2010 census I saw was around 90,000. Uh, is that, that pretty much where it is? I think we will show probably in 92, 93,000 is where I project 2020 would be. Okay. Because we actually took a dip and then it can't, it's come back. Gotcha. One of my favorite counties in the state, I tell you, I always, I, I used to do a lot of business up that way and spend the night. And of course, uh, I lived in Charlotte, but I love just staying uh, in, in Hickory and in, Val, in Valdez and the old bed and breakfasts when they first started. And uh, of course, uh, all these uh, these uh, features that you have, I've been to all of them more than once. Uh, it just, it's just such a great area, especially if you love the outdoors. How's your infrastructure doing there with your high speed? Is that reaching out pretty much throughout the county? You know, we have, we have pockets where we have challenges. Uh, up and down the 40 quarter and the 70 quarter is strong. Once you get away from 
mountain uh, where there's some tugboat challenges. But in the developed areas, uh, as a general rule, it's pretty strong. Yeah. And you guys are kind of northwest of Charlotte. How far are you out of the Charlotte area? We're one hour from the Charlotte airport. Uh, we're 45 minutes uh, from the Biltmore, uh, from Biltmore Farm. Biltmore okay. House. Wow. So we're 45 minutes from Boone. Uh, we're 40 minutes from Limble Gorge. Uh, I mean, you can, it's the great thing about it being where we are. We can be, we can be to shopping away. You know, if, if there's something you don't find here, we can be there. But we get to come home, and I tell them the great thing about uh, Morganton, my wife sort of said this, is, you know, we've got everything that the big towns have except for uh, high, uh, high land prices and traffic jams. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> it's easy to get around, I tell you guys, over the years here infrastructure um, has been well planned, especially even getting in and off of 40. Uh, it's kind of unique yeah, the way they designed that. 13 interchanges. That's unbelievable. So, anything else you want to tell us about your beautiful market area? Come on down. Well, uh, if you want to uh, reach me, my email address is alan, A-L-A-N, at Burke B-E-V-I-N-C dot com. So if you're looking for an opportunity, uh, shoot me an email and I'll respond. Okay. We'll let you do that again at the end of the show. Uh, let's finish up any, uh, on this economic development. Is there anything uh, we've got about five minutes, four minutes maybe, uh, that we can talk about and finish up our discussion on uh, economic development, our topic today? Well, what have I not covered for you? I don't know. You're you're the expert. <laughs> um, well, I will say, and we'll leave it on on this one. Workforce development and available workers is going to determine who the winners and losers are in economic development. So, if you have a growing population and you can provide the workforce and train the workforce and, and get your companies access to those workers, then you are going to do well. If your population is not growing, if you're not able to demonstrate that you can take care of the planning uh, and the development of a workforce, then you are looking at a very, very difficult time because workforce development, workforce is king, and uh, it, it is going to determine, uh, it's, it's going to really show a gap between the haves and the have-nots. So I would, I would say that that moving forward is going to be the biggest determining factor on which communities are successful in the long run and which find themselves struggling. So, Alan, what makes you get up in the morning? I love, I love, I love to make a deal. Uh, it's, uh, it never gets old, and the opportunity to help a business grow, uh, to get that next business in town, and, and to close a deal. Uh, you know, that's that's what that's what drives me. Everything else. Everything else we do 
uh, is uh, pointed towards making that deal. I know you love what you do. I love what I do too. God's blessed us both. Um, and Teresa will include her and Shadow, but my dog. Um, the younger, the young, younger generation. What do you want to say to them about your vocation? Uh, find something that you enjoy, uh, and then realize that uh, whatever it is, whatever it is, where you start, wherever it is you start, it's probably not where you're going to end up. But you got to have a solid base on which to start. You, you've got to, you got to start somewhere. It may not be what you ultimately want to do, but without that location, without that skill, without that training, you're starting from below level, and you have to have a base. And then you're going to spend, to be successful, you're going to spend the rest of your life learning. That's, that's really, and I think it's just going to, uh, I, I think this, the speed is just going to increase. And if you don't have that base and you're not willing to learn for the rest of your life, then you've got a real challenging uh, uh, a life in front of you. So be willing to be a lifelong learner. Educate yourself, read, and don't get frustrated, uh, and, and don't settle. And if you really want to learn, get yourself a radio talk show, because I tell you what, <laughs> This is 138 hours now, Teresa and I have been doing this, and it's amazing, right, Teresa, the stuff we learn from folks like you, Alan. You're, 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 you're a great inspiration uh, to us, and this has been a fabulous show. One more time, how do they get in touch with you, Alan? Uh, email address is alan, A-L-A-N, at burke, D-E-V-I-N-C, dot com. You want to give your phone number out? 828-764-9372. And they can also go to your website, the Burke County Development. Is that where you want them to go? It's Burke Development, uh, Burke, Burke Development Inc. And that's B-U-R-K-E, Development Inc. Dot com? That's correct. Uh, well, you just do Burke Development Inc. and it'll take you to our website. Oh, okay, perfect. Wow, I love it. Hey, thank you for joining us today. Let us know how you like the show. If you have any questions or topics you'd like to suggest, we'd appreciate them. All questions are welcome, and all of our guests may be emailed with your questions as well. This show is for the public and, most importantly, for real estate agents who do not have a source for land education. All of our shows are downloaded after the show this morning on our master website, www.letstalkland.net, L-E-T-S-T-A-L-K-L-A-N-D.net. It will also be found on Spotify and Podbean. Teresa, how do they get in touch with you? They can call me at 336-209-2937 or email me at teresa.mylandpro at gmail.com. My email is lou at mylandpro.com. That's L-O-U at mylandpro.com. My cell phone number is 336-669-1405. And our sponsor is landhub.com. View thousands of properties for sale at landhub.com. How do they get in touch with us here, Rodney? Well, they can go to our website, go to WKTE1090.com, and also they can download the simple radio app and hear us anywhere in the world. How about Universe? Yes, that too. Wow. So, Alan, you uh, you won't be able to reach the station over there, but you can download that app and listen to our shows and anyone else out there. 
and uh, we are a beach music and oldie show, right? That's correct, and we play only what, Teresa? Happy music. That's right. Oh, we happy will music. make huh? you happy. <laughs> so happy you'll almost lose your legs. No there. way. Yes. Way. And we, we won some awards too, right? That's right. Won uh, five years in a row being the uh, – Best uh, Beach and Oldies radio station on the East Coast. And you got a nice award. Yeah, last year, 2019 or 20 sometime. I can't remember now. Can't even keep up with the years, can we, Lou? They go <laughs> no. by so fast. But it was announcer of the year there. Wonder why. Hey, thank you for joining us today. We'll see you next week.